Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Please move kindly, move forward. Come sit as close as possible. Let's renew our intention. We're here to please Allah Azza wa Jalla and build our relationship with with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala through sitting in the dars of Quran. We ask Allah Azza wa Jalla that He opens up our uh, deaf ears and hardened hearts and dry eyes through the barakah of the book of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Amin. And I ask Allah Azza wa Jalla through uh, this dars that He allows myself and all of us to reflect upon our own condition, connect uh, ourselves with Him and whatever issues of spirituality and any other problems that we are facing may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us uh, and the ummah to benefit from the durus of the Quran wherever they're taking place and the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that descends with this majlis may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow it to permeate from these walls and go to all of our homes and all those who are listening throughout the world may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow this rahmah to enter them their houses as well and allow the rahmah to uh, uh, to become a means of removal of any and all difficulties the Muslim Ummah is going through. Beloved friends, when we read and study the Qur'an, honestly, every single time, you will see that the Qur'an has a, a, the solution to our problems and our specific issues. We repeat this every week because this is the truth, this is the reality. Understand, the more time we spend studying, the more time we spend pondering over the Book of Allah Azza wa the, the greater the chance we'll find solutions and the greater the chance we'll find solace and comfort uh, in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is a ni'mah for those of us who are attending here tonight. It's a huge blessing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is inviting me, inviting you to sit in a gathering of this sort. And, and those who are not able to make it today, they, uh, we ask Allah azza wa jal to allow them to make this intention for the future, for them to attend in their own areas or this masjid, wherever it may be. Once a week, dars of Qur'an. Beloved brothers, I ask all of you to make niyyah of istiqama. Istiqama, istiqama. Remain firm. Uh, we're, you know, al-istiqamatu fawqa al-fi karama was mentioned in the past weekend in the Sira conference. That, we, that miracles are something that are amazing, that are outstanding, but it's not something we necessarily go searching for. We don't judge people's piety based on miracles. But if you want to see an amazing thing that's beyond a thousand miracles, that is steadfastness. You see someone who's steadfast in any of his good deeds, this is more powerful or more beneficial than a thousand miracles. So we all need to become extremely punctual in our a'mal. Our morning and evening du'as, our salat al-fajr in the masjid, our daily salah as much as we can in the masjid, raising our hands and making du'a for ourselves and for the ummah. And whatever khidmah we can at home for our parents, for our families, etc. Any good thing we're doing, make niyyah of istiqama, istiqama. No matter what happens, no matter what happens, like a set clock, nothing moves. We're always, we make sure, in the, no matter what the situation is, that we don't give it up. So if we had istiqama in our attendance and our dars, then we would benefit so much. But the problem is when we come once, and we don't come for three weeks, four weeks, and then we come once, we seriously end up losing so much barakah. So much barakah is taken away because this is istighfaf. This is taking dars of Qur'an lightly. Right? This is taking the Qur'an. People take their tennis and their golf and their soccer and their basketball and something else, whatever other things, so serious. No matter what happens, they will leave their job early. They will leave their meetings early to make sure that they are there at the, at the racket club. They are there at the golf club. They are there at the, at the basketball court exactly on time. That's good. There is istiqamah on that. Naturally, there should be istiqamah on that as well. But when it comes to the when it comes to the durus of deen, whether it's this dars or any other dars, unfortunately we take it so lightly. 
And because of that, we're not able to grow. Why are we not able to grow? Because you're digging, you're digging, and then you stop digging. And what happens? The mud all piles up. Then the next three weeks later, you start digging again, and then you stop. The mud piles up again. How are we going to get anywhere? If we want to get somewhere, we have to consistently keep on digging. Then you'll hit water real quick. So if we want our hearts to become soft, if we want our hearts to interact with the Qur'an, my beloved friends, then we need istiqamah in our life. We need steadfastness. Uh, and it is mentioned regarding Maran Ashwari Thanwi, rahmatullahi alayhi. He was a man of great principles. He was a principled man. And so that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put barakah in his life. I don't think he lived more than 60 years, if I remember correctly. Right? 55 maybe. But within that short span, he wrote a thousand books. We're not speaking about a thousand years ago this happened. We're talking about right now, in the, you know, in the 1940s, or so he passed away, in the 30s. He wrote a thousand books. How many of us are going to even read, be able to read even one-tenth of that? But the man studied, memorized, retained, thought, 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 and then penned a thousand books. How do you, how do, you do that? You do that through barakah. Through barakah in time. So he had a time dedicated to, he wrote his tafsir, Bayan al-Qur'an. He had a time dedicated to writing tafsir every single day. And you know these people, they're not like us who don't value our teachers. These people, subhanAllah, they, everything to them was their ustad. Wherever they got their ilm, ala ra'si wal ain, they would do anything for the teachers. So one time his sheikh or his teacher came to his, his town, his, came to his masjid, came to his madrasa, Tanabon. And he, if I remember correctly, this is his story that he sat with him for a little bit. And then he asked, Can you give me a little bit permission? I need, I need to take care of one thing. Of course, go ahead. So he got up from the majlis of his sheikh, of his ustad, and walked away. Some minutes later, he came back. And he said, oh, you're already back so quickly. Everything okay? He said, yes, I had one little chore to take care of. I did it. So it was so important that you would leave your teacher, but also you got it done so quickly that you're back. What, what interesting thing that must be. So he said, Shaykh, I have this time dedicated to writing tafsir. From Asr to Maghrib, write my tafsir. Now you are here, how can it be that I leave you and go sit and do my work? But since that time is dedicated to writing tafsir, I didn't want to skip out today. Because I don't want to lose the barakah of consistency. That's why I left your majlis, went to my room where I write. For a few minutes I sat down, wrote one or two lines and I came back. So at least I did something for today. So it cannot be written as absent, that not present. This is the value our elders gave to consistency. Consistency, consistency is the key thing. No matter what a person has, you try your best to... And I'm not saying this because I'm giving this to you as a dars. No, if whoever is teaching any dars, anywhere, whatever you have, remain consistent to it. And this is the same thing we tell the seminary students who come to a class. But if you want to come to class, you come. You want to enroll in the madrasa, by all means. But then you better show up. If you don't show up, then don't enroll. Because you're going to ruin the environment of the class. And I tell the students very firmly, as soon as you skip one day, your barakah you'll see is gone. Because once you skip one day, it will be easy for you to skip the next. Because you already skipped once. Even if you have stomach ache, if you have headache, whatever, don't skip. We always tell our students, honestly, I mean you all, adults here, non-seminary students are not used to hearing me saying this, but they know this. I say if you, need, if you, have, if you have a problem, we have garbage cans all over. You can puke wherever you need to. You have bathrooms all over. You can use a restroom wherever you need to. You have diarrhea, constipation. Everything is available. You have a headache. You cannot take the light. Put a patch over your eyes and lie down in the back of the classroom. You have back problem, lean against the wall. 
foot problem, sit on a chair. But come to class. At all costs, come to class. Put a mask. Do whatever it is. Do not skip class. As soon as you skip class, honestly, you will lose barakah. And that because of that one day, you will end up skipping so many more days. And before you know it, you just don't feel like coming to class anymore. And then I tell the boys and the girls, go ask your dads. They've been working for 20 years, 25 years, 30 years. Ask and see how many days did they call in sick. How many days did they call in sick? You adults sitting here, my uncles, how many days have you called in to work sick? I know subhanAllah, brothers who have told me I've been working as a physician for 15 years. And he says, only one day in 15 years I can think when my temperature got so high and I was sweating and couldn't handle myself, that's when I took a half day off. Even he worked the first half day. Exactly, that's the work ethic you have. And on top of that, you lose money if you don't show up for work. We need to value ilm more than we value money. That we will lose barakah if we stop coming to our dars. We will not have the, the, the blessings that knowledge gives us if we come one day and skip three, four days. So this is, the winter is coming. And so we tend to start getting sick or whatnot. And so shaitan will also say, Ah, oh, you're not feeling so well, leave it. So my message to the seminary students and the attendees as well, do not allow the nafs and shaitan to get to us. Once you have signed up for something, then no matter what happens, you show up. And if a person has to leave earlier because of something, okay. But you still come. And if a person is coming late and he said, I missed 45 minutes of it, no problem, still come to the end. This is the same thing with salah with jama'ah. You, you got busy with something and you realize by the time you get to the masjid, it's going to be maybe almost done. No problem. Still come. Still come. Still come. Because if you not show up and pray, what happened the next day? You say, I already missed my isha today. It's not a big deal. I missed my fajr also. No, come pray in the, pray in the masjid side hall or whatever. But even if you know your message, just leave the house and come and pray in the masjid. That will be better than for you to be praying at home. You will still get a lots of blessing by coming to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So as, we, as the weather changes, I implore every single brother here who has intention to join this tafsir gathering to please start counting your own absences and attendance. And you take your own attendance to see. If I had my way, I wish I could do that. I honestly wish we could have attendance taken and appreciate those who are attending well and those who don't have someone should call them. Say, but what's wrong? Why not here? Because we all have, we all have nafs and we all need a reminder. And so many times people say, you know what, subhanAllah, simply no one reminded me. No one, I remember there was a, there was a brother who studied here for some time. And I didn't see him in the masjid for many, many months. I happened to go speak at his university. Then I ended up seeing him. And I asked him, I said, I'm not being sarcastic. Honestly, tell me, have you moved out of the area? Because I haven't seen you. To my knowledge, I haven't seen you for months. You may have come sometime, but I haven't seen you for months and months. So he says, no, uh, I'm still in the same area, two, three miles away from Darussalam. I said, okay, what time you get off from school? We'll get off at five. Well, during the day, yes, you can come. But what about Maghrib and Isha? And what about Fajr? The brother was married. Mar- married to a good, mashallah, comes from a righteous, pious family. Since I have good relationship. I said, not only am I surprised with you, I'm surprised about your spouse. How can she allow you to pray salah at home like this for so many months? She doesn't say anything to you? Doesn't say she has knowledge. Why didn't she sit and say, shame on you? Week after week, day after day, you just sit at home and pray. What is a man doing at home praying? That's not a man. That's not a man who prays at home. You go to the masjid, your place, the man's salah of a man is in the masjid. What are you doing at home? So he just looked, I said, listen, I'm sorry, I sh- maybe I'm overstepping my boundaries, but you're my student. If I don't tell you this, who's going to tell you this? Has anyone else spoken to you like that? Today, moms and dads can't speak to their kids like this. They don't. 
So what I've learned from my teachers is that subhanAllah, once a student, always a student. And if a student doesn't listen, well, that's not our fault. Our job is to say. So I spoke to him. I, you know, Alhamdulillah, he was there in Maghrib that day. And then he was there for Isha. And the next morning for Fajr. And mashallah, the little, you know, tapki as they say. The, 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 the little, what are you going to say? Tap on the back. Alhamdulillah, it's been about four or five months. It's still lasting. Alhamdulillah. May Allah grant him istiqamah. And grant all of us istiqamah. So honestly, we got to go home and have this conversation for those of us who are married. We have to tell our wives. That listen, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to get lazy sometimes. It's getting cold. It's getting winter. Early, Isha gets dark. I need you to help me. I need you to pull me out of bed. I need you to... This is what the Sahabiyat did. In, not only in, in, in some of the earlier battles with the Prophet ﷺ, but later on in Yarmouk and other battles as well. They literally stood in the back. And they said, if, even though you are losing the war, you better not think of turning around and coming back. If you thought the spears and the arrows of the disbelievers were tough, then guess what? You're going to meet, you're going to meet us with whatever little pipes we have and whatever pegs. Honestly, the Sahabiyat would be holding pegs and would be holding metal things and things, you know, that would hurt. And they say that if you run away from the arms of the disbelievers, you're going to have to face our wrath. Because we don't want to be walking away back home to be known as a wife of a person who was a coward and who ran away from the battlefields. MashaAllah. Those were the Sahabiyat. And hence, they were the great Sahaba as well. So, this is the conversation that our wives should have with us and the wives who are listening at home. You know, the best situation is the wife and the husband both listen so that it's not an awkward, <laughs> right? Because sometimes the wife may say, man, this is what you said is very important, but my husband, oh, he'll, be, he'll never want to listen to me. And then the husbands may say, what you're saying is right, man, my wife will never listen to me. Either way, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give the ability for husbands and wife to be on the same page. Ameen, Rabbil Alameen. But this is for our own benefit. We need to look out for each other. And we need to look out for each other. What Mulana? MashaAllah so beautifully, powerfully recited the verses of Surah An-Naba made us all cry, cried himself and he made an attempted, you know, powerful announcement after Isha and asked all of us to make dua you're all, those of you who didn't follow the news what happened, a whole entire hospital was bombed around 12.30 today and over 500 people at the moment have, have been killed in the hospital and as, as this war has been happening, there's not a war on the ground only this is a massive war of the media and this is a war when the, the aggressor uh, continues his aggression to the highest degree, but then blames the oppressed. So we, it was just, we were going to wonder what spin they're going to do on this one. So the spin has come out. They said, no, there was, uh, there was some artillery or some rockets of the Hamas was in the, stored in the hospital and that blew up. <laughs> so blame this. So by now, we should have some common sense. Not to, not to believe in these type of things. But this is what type of difficulty we're in. When we're faced with difficulty of this sort, my beloved brothers and sisters, the least we can do for ourselves and for them is to fill up the masajid. The least we can do is to fill up Salat al-Fajr and Salat al-Isha when we're back from work and before we go to work. Let's make this niyyah, every one of us who's sitting here, everyone's listening at home, please make this niyyah that you pray your Fajr and Isha in the masjid and then you make dua. Make dua for the, for the innocent people who are being slaughtered. And make dua for ourselves. That Ya Allah, when is the ummah going to wake up? When are the munafiqun going to stop and get rid of their nifaq? When are the Muslims, munafiqs all around, are going to stop from their hypocrisy and turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? When are they going to act like true Muslims? And when are they going to get rid of this, these weird fears that they have lurking in their, in their minds? And this is the moment that these people... <laughs> Are waiting. Yesterday, one physician shared with me a clip of a physician from a hospital in Gaza, which may have been the one that got bombed today. I'm not exactly sure. Two-minute clip 
And he addressed us. He addressed all the Muslims all over the world. And he said, listen, I'm here in a hospital surrounded by all these sick people here. This is the only, we don't treat soldiers. We treat, or we don't treat whatever. You know, we treat only innocent civilians. Civilians. We're being told to leave. He said, I cannot leave the hospital because I'm not going to allow these patients to die. And they're saying, transport them. How can I transport them? We cannot transport them. They're, 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 they need, they need the, the, the basic needs of the, what the hospital provides. And I'm not going to let them die walking away. So then he called out to all of us sitting here and to the whole world, all of you Muslims, that you need to do whatever you can to help us. And if you do not do so, then our meeting place is in the day of judgment when we're going to hold you accountable. We are going to hold you accountable for not doing what you were supposed to have done. And he said, we're not leaving tonight. And if the barrage of missiles shall come and, 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 and kill us, he said this yesterday, then I'm from now saying, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa Muhammad Rasulullah. And he switched off the camera. So it might have been him in his hospital that got you know, destroyed. I don't know exactly. But it hit me in the heart when he said that. And I say, you know what? How can we after hearing and watching and listening to this still be negligent in our salah in the house of Allah? How can we be negligent in making dua? How can we be negligent in our recitation of the Quran? How can we be negligent in our dhikr? It is the dua'u silahul mu'min. Dua is the weapon of a believer. This is what we need to do. Along with what are making phone calls, writing letters, sending emails, anything and everything we can over here that is allowed to do so in, in, in trying to get, to get our voices heard. And rather I should say, the cries of the innocent heard uh, by the politicians. Along with that, we need to make lots of dua. And one thing I want to tell you is that our mashayikh and our elders, wallahi, they loved, they, you know, starting from Rasulullah some of course, but someone says, give me a more recent time thing. All of those shuyukh that you would see with their massive, you know, musabbihahs and tasbih, and their beautiful turbans and sitting there in muraqaba in the masjid. I want to tell you that they had some, the softest of hearts. They cried for the ummah in a degree that we don't even cry for our children. We don't even cry for our children. Murana Yusuf Mutala, rahimahumullah, one of the students of Hazrat Shaykh Zakir, and one of the greatest influencers on the, of the Islamic scene in the UK, right? Who is a sheikh and a teacher of thousands. And, and his students have done great work across the UK, Europe, and all over the world. When Yusuf Mutala, someone was sharing that in, one of, in his biography or somewhere, someone wrote that one day he seemed very perturbed. And someone asked him, why are you so perturbed? What happened? And he said, Mujhe something like that that this is not now this is before he already passed away in COVID he's buried in Canada he said the crying of the children of Gaza kept me awake all night I couldn't sleep right? what is that? it's the fikr that these mashayikh and ulama had don't think that they were just building masjids and madrasas and teaching no no their heart literally was so focused on the condition of the ummah, both the uh, the condition of this dunya of the ummah, as well as the condition of the akhirah. That what shall happen if any of these people die without iman? What shall happen without with die? Hafiz Patel, rahmatullahi alayhi, another great, great, great giant like Maulana Yusuf Mutala of United Kingdom, Hafiz Patel, originally from Gujarat, India, and Allah knows best. Inshallah, what type of jannah? Inshallah, Allah has prepared for him. Done so much great work in Western Europe and in America and so forth. One day I had the, uh, the, the awesome opportunity to spend the night with him in Darul Ulum Zakaria when I was uh, supposed to be doing khidmah. <laughs> right? and I was a fifth year or fourth year student and he was sleeping in our vice principal's home and I was uh, assigned to be in his khidmah. So subhanAllah, you know, madrasa student working, studying all day, the new khidmah and young 18, 16 year old. I was very tired. I fell asleep, knocked out. 
when I woke up, when I woke up, subhanAllah, Hazrat Hafiz Sahib had already completed his wudu, bathroom, istinja, had completed already his tahajjud salah. And it was a room, small room, maybe three, four feet between the bedroom and the wall, a bed and the wall. And in that small corner, he was on the musalla making dua. And I was, I was right next to him, a few feet away. I woke up, and I literally woke up listening to him praying. And it was, I still remember that. This was an amazing sight for me to be able to listen, peek in and listen quietly, held my breath, and I'm listening to Hafiz Sab making dua, right? And what is he making dua? No one, he doesn't know I'm awake. No one else was in that room. This is, you know, it's just me and him. And he thinks I'm sleeping. And he's making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the midst of the night. And the, I'm just listening. What does this man make dua? And honestly, I didn't hear him making dua for his kids, grandkids, wife, himself. Maybe he had already done that before. But the, the, the minutes I heard, his long, powerful dua was only for the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Right? That's who our elders were. And that's who our mashayikh are today as well. That they are people who it hurts them to see the ummah suffering in this dunya or the akhirah. And this is the sifa of who? Of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ رَسُولٌ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ A prophet has come to you from amongst you. A prophet has come to you from amongst you. What is the attribute of this prophet? What is the quality of this Prophet? Azizun alayhi ma anittum. Allahu Akbar. Azizun alayhi ma anittum. It's difficult for him to bear what suffering you all go through. It's, aziz means difficult, heavy, mushkil, right? In this case, it means very heavy alayhi upon him. Ma what anittum, what difficulty you're going through. The Nabi can't see his ummah. How, you know, when you get hurt, think about youngsters, when you get hurt, you scrape yourself on a knee, there's some bleeding. What happens? You're not in as much as pain as your mother is in pain. You're not crying, but your mom, Are mera beta, are mera beta. what happened? He's like, relax, mom. No, she can't see. She can't see her son injured. Right? Allahu Akbar. The Nabi loves his ummah hundreds of times more than a, a, a mother can love her child. And so he knows if this man dies without iman, what type of jahannam he'll face. And the Nabi can't take that. You know the Farami story where a young man was not able to say the kalima. And Nabi was called to the scene. Ya Rasulullah, there's a young man here. We're asking him to say the kalima, and he cannot say the kalima. Say it. He says, no, I cannot. Say it. I can't say it. Then the Prophet said, do you have a mother who's alive? He said, yes. The Prophet went to the mother. He says, is this your son? He said, yes. Okay. He asked the Sahaba, gather firewood. Gather firewood. I want you to light up a big fire. What's going on? He said, no, we're going to take your son and throw him into the firewood. Fire. In the, in the big, huge fire. Ya Rasulullah, no, no, please don't do this. Don't do this. Why not? No, I cannot see my son burning like this. Okay. If you don't forgive him right now, and if your son dies without saying the kalima, and in a state that you're angry with him, he is going to go into a much greater fire than this. Who, who had fikr? Rasulullah well, had fikr. More than the mom. And so he went out of his way to go and speak on his behalf. And so the mother said, I forgive him. As soon as she said that, he went back to the young man and said, say the kalima. Alhamdulillah, he was able to say the kalima and he passed away. Well, there's many lessons to be learned from here. Obviously, the rights of the parents upon us and so forth. Obviously, very, very, very important point that we make sulh and we rectify our relationship with our parents. Lest Allahu Akbar, not only we destroy our dunya, but we destroy our akhirah. Imagine a person dies without being able to say the kalima. Even though you're being asked to say it by who? By the Prophet Game over. People say, try to call one big person, pious person for my nikah. Barakat in it. Call some pious alim for your janazah. You cannot find someone more pious than Rasulullah And he's alive telling you, say the kalima. And a man can't say it. That is what a lock comes upon a person's tongue 
who ruins his relationship with his mother. May Allah protect us from having a broken relationship with our parents. Ameen, Rabbil Alameen. And those whose relationships are broken, may Allah allow the sons and the daughters to mend their relationship with their parents. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow the parents to make their effort as much as possible to mend their relationship with their children. Ameen, Rabbil Alameen. Second thing we learn from here is the concern that Rasulullah for had for every ummati. He just simply could not handle the fact that a sahabi could die without iman. And, and, or without saying the kalima. So now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Azizun alayhi ma'anitum. It's very difficult for the Nabi to handle you going through any difficulty. And this is what every one of us is supposed to have. We cannot have an attitude that if something is happening in my town, in my village, from where my parents are from, I'm concerned about it. And if it's not that the case, then that's not my problem. No, my friends. This is not how the Ummah is supposed to work. No matter where, whether it's in Sudan, whether it's in Gujarat, whether it's in Delhi, whether it's in Kashmir, whether it's in Iraq, whether it's in Afghanistan, Syria, Yemen, whether it is in Somalia and in Libya, wherever the situation is, our heart must ache. Yes, there should be a time when the food is presented in front of you, dessert. You're like, you know what? I'm sorry, I can't eat. I'm done, I'm gonna go to sleep. I just can't take this. Yeah, that's exactly what should happen to us. There should be moments when you're drinking your cup of tea and you listen to something, you hear something and you say, you know what? I can't finish this cup. Why? Because I am so overwhelmed with sadness and grief at what's happened to the ummah. That's the least. The least is that our heart should ache and pain. And if we live life as usual, as though nothing happens, then we become numb and absolutely useless, soulless people. How do you expect Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help to come with anyone? We ask Allah's protection from becoming soulless people, hard-hearted people. But then, this pain does not mean we go into depression. I've spoken about this in my Team Fajr program on Saturday morning. If you were there, alhamdulillah, if you're not there, please go ahead and listen to that. And after Asr also, in the Seer conference, I addressed many aspects of this. And our ulama spoke about it in Jummah here. So please do listen to those talks if you're wondering how to handle the situation. Please do. It's very important. You need to have a proper perspective and a balance on how to handle this. But you do not allow that pain in your heart to lead to depression, to say, I'm depressed. I need to blow off steam. Let me just go watch a couple movies online. I need to t- t- you know, take a smoke. I need, to, I need to do this X, Y, Z. I need to do, you know, what they say, you know, leave off some st- steam by doing haram. That's what Now what is this? This is not, if someone say, I'm angry, I'm, I'm frustrated, I'm just going to sleep through salah. I'm going I'm to cower in and stay inside in my bed. How is, that, how is that proper way of showing grief? What it is, is when you feel that pain, you put your cup of tea away, put that dessert away, you stop laughing, you walked away from a group of people that are gossiping and joking. Now you do fresh wudu, and you pray two rakat salah. You already prayed your isha, you already prayed your witr, you already prayed your lohar. No, no, but this is separate. You pray two rakat salah, lift up your hands and shed some tears in front of Allah. That's where we got to take out our stress. That's how we, control, we channel our emotions. Channel our emotions onto the musalla. Channel our emotions onto the prayer mat. Channel our emotions into our hands and present it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ya Allah, please listen to my cries. Uh, you have given me comfort. You've given me everything. But my heart cannot sit back and enjoy this hot shower and this beautiful car, and this nice ice cream, and this nice tea. I can't, while I know all these people are suffering. Ya Allah, I ask you to please listen to my cry and their cry, and remove the difficulty from the ummah. That's what we all need to do. So I implore everyone here today, I ask every one of you to please make niyyah. They will pray Fajr and Isha in the masjid every day. Say Insha'Allah. Fajr and Isha. Fajr and Isha. Please drive. If your masjid is 10 minutes away, 7 minutes away, go and pray Salat al-Fajr. It's the latest it's going to be in the entire year is right now. Right now is the latest in any of these massage, our massage, and our time zone, 6.15 in North America, it's going to be the latest. Someplace maybe even 6.30. Pray your Salat al-Fajr in the masjid. Join the Qunut Nazila. Number two is the 
Number two is to uh, memorize the Qunut Nazila. Allahumma hadina fi man hadayt, wa afina fi man afayt, wa tawallana fi man tawallayt, wa barik lana fi ma a'tayt, wa qina, wa asrif anna sharra ma qadayt, fa inna kataqdi wa la yuqda alayk, inna hu la yadhillu man walayt, wa la yaizu man adayt, tabarakta rabbana wa ta'alayt. Right? Nastaghfirukallahum min jami'i al-dhunubi wal-khatayya wa natubu ilayk. Memorize this beautiful dua. Beautiful. The meaning is just even more amazing. Right? So, memorize this dua and repeat it after every salah. And make niya of the ummah, wherever they, where they're going. This is the least we do. This is the qunut that we're supposed to recite. Right? So we recite in fajr, but after that, in every single salah, after the salah, we should recite this. I'll try to see if you can have it put up on the slide over here. And then you can take a picture of it, or you can just search it online too. We can share it. But memorize this, beloved brothers. Memorize it. If you can't memorize it, keep it on your phone. After salah, or in the car, if you keep your phone in the car, keep it in the car, no problem. But then take out the phone and look at it and read, make the dua. Right? Make that dua. And if you say this every single day, five times a day, within a, within a month or a few weeks, you'll have it memorized, inshallah. That's the next thing I'm requesting you to do. Third thing I'm requesting all of us to do is the way we made a push for salawat upon the Prophet wasalam. Alhamdulillah, for those of you who may not have heard, collectively as a community, Darussalam community extends across the globe from Bangladesh to Uzbekistan to Egypt to, uh, mashallah, South Africa to wherever else people participated this year. Alhamdulillah. We were able to accomplish with the will of Allah and with the Father of Allah 48, over, more than 48 million salawats. Alhamdulillah, more than 48 million salawat. And, and efforts were made, mashallah. You know, students, some, some children did themselves 700,000, 600,000. You know, the numbers are amazing. You know, of how many some of the kids themselves did. May Allah Azza make all of these heavy in their scales and through the barak of these salawat, remove the difficulty from the ummah. Next, the dhikr campaign we're making now is what we call known as Ayat Karima. Right? Fanada fi dhulimat ilaha illa an subhanak inni kuntu min al-zalimeen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Fastajabna lahu. We accepted, we accepted the prayer of Yunus and we gave him najat and we saved him from the layers of darkness uh, inside, the, inside the animal, inside the fish, inside the whale, inside the ocean, inside the night, darkness of the night. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, we saved him. And in the same manner, we will give safety for anyone who calls out to us. This is guarantee. Allah says, if you call out to me like this, I give you safety. So I, I ask all of you here, make niya inshallah, what, you know, 200 a day, 250 a day, however much you do. You dedicated this to the people of, of, of the oppressed people of the world. In the madrasa, we have said every single student should do 2,000 times. Alhamdulillah, like we had the goal for the salawat, 2,000 times a day. If you feel like while they're doing 8-9 hours of study, plus multiple hours of homework, they're, and they're young, and they are trying to do 2,000 a day, I think many of us can do that. Many at home, many going to work, they have long drives, I think we can do that as well. So I encourage you to say, inshallah, 2,000 times, or more, or less, we do ayat karima. La ilaha illa an subhanak, inni kuntu min al-zalimeen. And... Uh, and this hopefully will be able to present to Allah on the day of judgment. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says regarding Musa alayhi salam's story, ma'adhiratan ila rabbikum. Ma'adhiratan ila rabbikum. That we need to have an excuse to at least give to Allah. An excuse that we tried. We tried. We couldn't do much. But what we did is we prayed. We came for Fajr and Isha. We made long dua. We did tasbih. We read the Qunut Nazila as much as possible. These are small, simple things that we did. But Ya Allah, you are most powerful. These simple small things are in your eyes can do anything. Mahazat Ilyas rahmatullahi alayhi. Someone asked him, Ilyas rahmatullahi alayhi, what is the maqsad and the purpose of this effort of da'wah and tabligh? Give us a good, quick mission statement. What are you trying to achieve 
What is the goal? Good question. What is the goal? And I want you to remember this answer. Powerful answer. He said, the luck bug, something like this. Har ummati, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ki khazane se barahe ras lena seek jaye. How, that's one explanation. Or another one, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala se mangna seek jaye. That every ummati should learn how to take from the treasures of Allah. Yani kullu shakhs yata'allam kayfa yastafeed min khaza'in Allah. Wa kayfa ya'khuth min khaza'in Allah. Wa kayfa yad'u Allah azza wa jal wa yaqdi hawa'ijahu biddu'a. Every single Muslim should just learn this thing. How to take from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's treasure. That's what we have to learn. Ask yourself, have we, have we taught our sons and daughters this? Does it, we, our son and daughter knows many things. They've got great grades and so forth. But do they know how to ask from Allah? Do you, if parents do not ask from Allah, our children are going to learn. We have to ask, we have to learn how to ask from Allah. And not just ask. Ask in such a way that you know you're going to get it. There is a, there is a what? There is a talent. I was just reading about someone saying, we got to learn how to write, you know, for grants. Grant writing courses. You go take a course in university to learn how to, re- learn how to write a letter to seek grants for, say, masjid security. <laughs> but you have to learn how to write a grant. So if the dunya is such that you have to learn how to write persuasive writing and grant writing, what about le- learning how to ask from Allah? You think you just stand up and say, hey, give me, give me this God. No. With that, you have to also learn. And one of the things is there, Seek, ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with such conviction that you know your dua will be accepted. That's part of it. When you ask Allah, don't say, Allah is going to listen to me. No, 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 that's not the way you make dua. What do you say? You say, Ya Allah, you will. You all can take a picture of this if you need to. And those of you online, you know, you can also take a look at this. This is just one of, you know, you can search online yourself or otherwise you can take a picture right here. This is the dua. Allahumma hadina fi man hadayt wa aafina fi man aafayt wa tawallana fi man tawallayt wa barik lana fi ma aatayt wa qina sharra ma qadayt innaka taqdi wa la yuqda alayk wa innahu la yadhillu ma walayt wa la ya'izzu man aadayt tabarakta rabbana wa ta'alayt nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk wa sallallahu ala nabiyyil kareem And then on top of that, if you can make this dua additionally, this is beautiful. اللهم اغفر لنا والمؤمنين والمؤمنات والمسلمين والمسلمات وألف بين قلوبهم وأصلح ذات بينهم وانصرهم على عدوك وعدوهم اللهم لعن الكفرة الذين يصدون عن سبيلك ويكذبون رسولك ويقاتلون أولياءك اللهم خالف بين كلمتهم وزلزل أقدامهم وأنزل بهم بأسك الذي لا تردوا عن قوم المجرمين right? So this dua Yes I know you cannot memorize it in one day or one week maybe No problem But you have it in front of you read it and you have the, uh, you know, the translations are available as well. So, uh, uh, you know, these are things that, alhamdulillah, that are present out there. I, I, this, these, this is the commitment we're asking all of you, inshallah. I had intended, I know this is our tafsir, but I thought, what, what's the point of me speaking about other random things when this is exactly what's happening? We need to know what should be the response to the situations that we are going through. And so this is what I want to do, um, you know, uh, share, share with all of us, inshallah. Okay, now we will begin. Today's session, Bismillah Taala. Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala says here in Ayah 41. وَإِذَا رَأَوْكَ يَتَّقِذُونَكَ إِلَّا هُزُوَ أَهَذَا الَّذِي بَعَثَ اللَّهُ رَسُولًا Therefore, when they see you, O Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the disbelievers, but take you as a mockery. Huzwa mockery. أَهَذَا الَّذِي بَعَثَ اللَّهُ رَسُولًا Is this the one who Allah has sent forth as a messenger? I wanted to share with you today on this that. Um, 
There's been a, a, the, one of the most painful things for people here, and of course people over there, is not only to see, not only to see the way our Muslim brothers and sisters are being uh, tortured and uh, uh, carpet bombed, but on top of that, the mockery, the mockery, the mockery is shocking. Honestly, it was so bad, I just shared it earlier today with one of my colleagues, and he's like, no, please, please stop spreading rumors, this cannot be true. He just couldn't believe it. He was refusing to believe it until I had to show it to him that no, this is from an official, official, uh, official Israeli uh, Facebook page. He just couldn't believe it. How? How could someone in this day and age have absolutely no sense of humanity, humanity, to sit and make a mockery of those who are being slaughtered? You slaughter them and then you make a mockery out of that. It was just too bad, too bad to the extent that a person said, no, this can't be true. Please don't spread rumors. I said, no, it's not rumors. It's here. And there are other, other, other what you call, uh, uh, you know, things of that sort that some of you have shared with me that are definitely something which are just like beyond. And wallahi, wallahi, honestly, is we just cannot imagine humanity could fall so low. Now, I, when you're faced with that, how do you handle that? SubhanAllah, Allah gave us this beautiful ayah to start off today's dars with. Who, your emotion, a Palestinian's emotion, and a guy, a brother, and youngster in, in Gaza, his emotion is one place. And you have the Nabi of Allah. No comparison. A million of us can be slaughtered for him. A billion of us. For the Prophet wasallam. And he, what does he have to deal with? Every time, every single time they look at you, they make fun of you. Every single, not once or twice. No. Every single time they look at you, they make a mockery of you. Rasulullah sallallahu Ya Allah, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted this place to be the place of justice, no doubt the mountains of Mecca would have fallen right then and there. In sajda. They, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in anger over the mushrikeen, how dare they speak to the Prophet like that. Because Rasulullah is a prophet of the mountains as well. He's a prophet of the oceans as well. He's a prophet of the jinn as well. He's a prophet of the angels. He's a prophet of everyone. وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ and his, the earth of Mecca would have definitely swallowed up these mushrikeen. But this world is not the place where justice is met out. Understand that. When you say, where is Allah? Why is this happening? Where is Allah? Well, I ask you, where was Allah every single day of the Prophet's life? When the Quran says, every time they saw him, they made fun of him. If there was anything to shake the arsh of Allah and make him bring justice right now, it would have been this. But the way Allah has made this dunya is such that this is not the place where justice is fulfilled or met out. That is another place that's called Yomuddin. That's a place called Yomud Akhirah. In this dunya is a place of simply building up your case for yourself or against yourself. That's all we're doing right now. Right now we're in the exam hall. You have, you're sitting there dwindling or what you call doodling on the paper. You're sitting there writing curse words to the teacher. Or you're sitting there and regurgitating whatever the professor said on your paper, mashaAllah, and better. Nothing, no one is gonna immediate punishment or reward. No immediate punishment or reward. All the papers are gonna be collected, put in the manila envelope, and they're gonna be taken to the examiner's office. And then after one week, you'll see the grades. That's what this dunya is. We are right now in examine hall. Do not be surprised. Where is the lightning bolt coming? How come there's no lightning strike? How come the earth is not swallowing certain people? How come the, ocean, the, uh, the oceans are not swallowing in certain makhluqat of Allah? No, my friends. Understand that this is not a place of justice. If it was, then 
the kuffar Makkah would have been knocked out on the first day. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them <coughs> respite for many, many, many years. And then they say, look at, it hurts. Of course it hurts. This is the Nabi of Allah. Yeah, yeah. Isku Nabi Look at this words. Ahada. Yani Allah sending the Prophet is not a problem. It's from this ayah you understand. Allah sending the Prophet is not an issue. But how could he send a man as despicable? Al-Ayyadabillah. As despicable, as lowly as him. That's what this verse means. So basically, this verse is saying they didn't have an issue with prophethood, but they had an issue with the prophethood of Rasulullah. And they're using these type of, of horrible words. And another ayah in Surah Anbiya 36, Allah says, Ahadalikum. Is this the man who, who, who mentions your gods in a, in, a, uh, in a dismissive manner? Meaning the idols, Ibrahim alayhi salam or whoever else. Is that this Nabi, you're telling me he's a Nabi? He talks, he has the guts to speak about, about your idols? In Surah Zukhruf, they say, if only the Quran was revealed on a more noble man than him, someone who is honorable in Makkah and Ta'if, he's not honorable enough. This, my friends, is the most vicious and poisonous and hurtful statements. But how did the Nabi just handle it? Understand what you see when you see on Twitter and X and all these other horrible, horrible things that are being mentioned. I want you to think of this ayah. What a beautiful yani, gift of Allah today for me. Because I was also very perturbed about certain things I read after Asr. You know that how, how, how could you? And then when I was preparing, I come through this ayah, I said, Ya Allah, oh subhanAllah. Allah is saying, if this is something for Rasulullah wasallam, then what about my emotions and your emotions? This is the dunya. In kada la yudilluna. Again, this is very interesting. That they, they say the Prophet is useless. Na'udhu billah, he doesn't know what he's doing. And then they say, that no, he's so powerful and so strong and charismatic, that he was almost nearly led us astray from our gods. Meaning, you cannot mislead, you cannot make someone leave the religion of their forefathers successfully, or at least create doubt within the minds of people unless you know what you're talking about. Unless you have knowledge, unless you have wisdom, unless you have charisma, unless you have all these things. So they say Nabi Sallallahu is good for nothing. But then they're also saying he almost took them away from shirk and brought them towards Islam. That means he obviously has got some great muscles, doesn't he? He's, he's gifted. So what are you, well look at the contradiction that you have over here. That's why they would say, لا تسمعوا لهذا القرآن don't listen to this Qur'an. وَالْغَوْفِيهِ Keep on talking, keep on creating white noise or whatever you want to call it, noise of some sort. لَعَلَّكُمْ تَغْلِبُونَ So that you may be overpowering them. Oh, what a beautiful ayah to connect with our events today. What's going on? Do not let the media be present. Shut down websites, shut down pages on Facebook, shut down WhatsApp accounts, kill and intimidate journalists. Do whatever you can. Why? Because you don't need commentary. If you just have footage, if you just have live footage, the world will know who is the oppressor and who is the oppressed. So now, you, cannot, you have to put screens. Do not allow the news to go out. Do not allow the news to go out. Create not only a war of misinformation, but whoever is actually speaking, not even speaking, just simply videotaping, we have to delete the video. We have to break their cameras. This is happening old. Oh, it's happening for decades now. Attack the cameraman, attack the, news, uh, the, the, the journalist, uh, remove everything. And this is how he connects with this ayah over here, what I just shared with you. Ayah uh, 26 of Surah uh, Hamim Sajda. Do not listen to this Quran. Meaning, do not allow. Why? Why were they scared? If you are a man, just let the people listen to the Quran, let them judge. You know deep down the Quran is the truth. 
That's why you don't want your people to listen to the Quran. Because if they listen, they will leave your useless religion and, 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 and idolatry, idolatry and they will begin to follow Islam. You know that. That's why you are ordering your uh, slave girls to come and start singing right in front of Rasulullah so that you have a distraction technique, tactic that brings people who are listening to Rasulullah they can't hear him and they come towards you because everyone likes singing girls. Why not? So they will leave him and come there. So now you have this is a diversion tactic that the kuffar used. It's the same playbook, my friends. It's the same stuff. Because the shaitan is the same. Shaitan Iblis, he's the same. So now he simply does, he gives it a different color, but the playbook is the same. If you study Musa and Fir'aun's story, Musa and Fir'aun's story in the Quran, and, and many of the mashayikh have done so, uff, oh, there's so much history repeats itself. It repeats itself. It repeats itself. If you study Musa and Fir'aun's story in the Qur'an again and again, which itself is repeated, so many lessons to be taken from there and to, that are 100% applicable in our current situation and in the future as well. So this ayah as well, remember this ayah 26 of, of Surah Hamim Sajda. Do not listen to the Qur'an and make a loud, loud lots of noise so you may overpower them. Same thing, tactic is being used. Do not allow the, the, the other side of the story to become apparent because otherwise you will lose the game. This is part of the whole agenda. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, then says, that this disbeliever says, Oh, which we had to make an effort to remain patient on our kufr and our shirk. Shirk, otherwise he was about to mislead us. Allah says, you're going to find out very soon. When you see the punishment and the adab of Allah with your own eyes, you're going to find out who was more uh, lost who was further astray? Was it Muhammad Sallallahu or was it you all? Ara'ayta man ittakhada ilahahu hawa O Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is saying Ya Rasulullah have you seen the one who makes his own desire his God? Afa'anta takunu alayhi wakila Will you then be a guardian over him to compel him to believe? Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala sent Islam and Deen to protect people from their own desires and from the desires of others. When you go in business, the desire is I want to make money at all cost. And whatever profit I'm making, I wish I always, always could make more profit. And uh, who, wants, who doesn't want 200% profit? Or 500% profit? So there's a desire I have. And then you have a desire to get a cheap price and pay less than what I paid for because you want to get a good deal. So Islam came to protect me from my own desire and to protect me from your desire. Did you understand this example I gave? That Islam came, that in every scenario, that you, your own desires are going to be harmful to others and to yourself. And others' desires are going to be harmful to you. So Islam came to ensure that we're all protected from the harms of our desires and the harms of other desires. Because the issue is about desire. That's it. Hawa, hawa, hawas. Hawa is what it ruins everything. Now desires differ. We are two friends, close friends. We enjoy each other's company. However, if we're going to go to a restaurant, we may, one may like beef, one may like chicken. One may, okay, let's say they both agree in chicken. One may like grilled, one may like fried. Right? You say they both like fried, but one may like with... Uh, Ketchup, one may not like it with ketchup. Yani, wherever you go, there's not going to be possible that two people have the same desire. There will always be different desires all the time. So we, this is the dunya. 
So now how are you supposed to handle these types of desires? How are you supposed to protect yourself? You have deen for that. What is, the, what is hawa? Hawa is when you have the truth in front of you and you recognize that that's a truth, but you turn your back towards that truth due to some other ulterior motive. That's called hawa. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says regarding the Prophet sallallahu that he never spoke out of his own desire. Never. Did he not make mistakes? Yes, he made ijtihadi mistakes. He made mistakes when he did not have, when the truth was not apparent to him. And he made an effort to discern what the truth was. But then he made a mistake. And so Rasulullah was corrected by Allah. Like uh, letting the people of Badr go, the prisoners of war. Like in the battle of Tabuk, people taking permission, letting them go. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala corrected him. But this was not hawa, this was not desire. This was a genuine mistake when the, uh, when the haq and the truth was not very apparent. He made an effort to discern the truth. And he what we call khata ijtihadi. That he made an effort and he made a mistake in that ijtihad. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informed him that this mistake was made. But the Prophet ﷺ himself never did an act of hawa. This ayah is a very powerful ayah. Because it tells us that today, this, the sin that's happening of oppression across the globe, you wonder why, is, why are 56 or 58 Muslim countries silent? Why are Muslim billionaires silent? Why are Muslim companies silent? Just simply making a statement, making a phone call, putting some, some pressure. Why? Because at the end of the day, everyone is, they have deen for a little bit. And you know, I'm sitting here, I'm a chota, small guy. I don't own a country, I don't own a company, I'm nobody. So it's easy for me to speak. If I had my own company, if I had my own country, if I was someone powerful, a politician, if it wasn't the grace of Allah, I'd be in the same position honestly, right? I'm not just looking down upon anyone else. I'm just telling you this is how the situation is. Everyone cares about his kursi. They care about his chair, care about his money. That's the key thing. Money and power. And so everyone wonders, if I speak up against the oppressor, I'm gonna either lose my power or lose my money. And that's what it comes to. This is what you call hawa. Desire, because it's my desire to keep my power. It's my desire to keep my money. And if I think I'm going to lose any bit of my power or money, then I am not going to do what's going to jeopardize that. Even if it means giving a blind eye to the greatest oppression. I'm not going to, I can't speak because why? I don't want to lose what my nafs likes. So the issue what harms the ummah in every scenario is hawa. When it comes to divorce, when it comes to nasty divorce, uh, when it comes to infighting between business partners, when it comes to siblings fighting with one another, it all boils down to hawa, hawa, hawa. We have to learn how to put our foot down on our hawa. Talking about divorce, I was speaking to a Muslim lawyer, I don't know if I shared this with you. He said, there was a, a lawyer, who, a non-Muslim, who deals with Muslim divorces and non-Muslim divorces. And he said, categorically, he made this statement. He said, a majority or if not all of the Muslim divorces that this lawyer deals with are almost two things more costly than the non-Muslim divorces, more dragging and more costly, and number two, much more nasty, much more vicious, much more anger, much more, you know, just, just, just uh, grudges and hatred. I thought I'll share that with you, right? From a non-Muslim lawyer's uh, yeah, uh, you know, experience, that dealing with Muslim divorces, unfortunately, is so much worse than non-Muslim divorces. Uh, what it comes down to is our nafs. The nafs is there. The nafs says, no, I'm not going to let it go. I'm going to make a big scene out of it. When the Quran says, تَسْرِيحٌ بِإِحْسَانٌ 
things didn't work out, move on. That's also a test from Allah. Allah knew before the creation of the heavens and the earth that this marriage is not going to last. Did He not? Of course He knew it. He put you through that for a test. Now, learn how to live and let live and move forward. Move forward. But now the nafs says, no, I'm not going to move forward. I'm going to destroy it. Yes, that's anger. I understand you're hurt. You're upset. You're angry. But that's the whole point. We do not fall to our temptations of the nafs. When the anger says, do this and do that, we don't. We say, no. That's where the deen comes in. The deen puts a lock on our nafs. The deen is supposed to put a lock on our anger. And supposed to say that you're supposed to channel this anger in a proper direction. You may not say what you're not supposed to say. Similarly, the anger and the emotions we feel today, all of that needs to be channeled in a right manner. There's no right, there's no permissibility of killing innocent non-combatants, no matter what. So there you go. Thus the deen comes and tells us that what is the etiquettes of warfare? What are the etiquettes of divorce? What are the etiquettes of a delusion of a dissolution of a business? You know, etc. All of those type of things. And so this is the key important point that we learn from here is hawa. Hawa, right? That a person needs to understand what, what are we dealing with today? We're dealing with uh, ourselves. Abdul Hawa. We have become uh, servants, slaves of Hawa. All the isms. And where this, uh, this, uh, this filth on the internet of watching and listening to haram. Where does this take a person? It takes a person into the same thing. Into a pit of Hawa. Beloved friends, ask Allah protection not only for shaitan, iblis, dajjal, but also seek protection from who? From our nafs. Sabsibra khabis. A'da aduwik. Huzunay farmaya. The biggest enemy, a'da isam tafdeel, superlative form. A'da sabsibra. Aduwik, apka dushman. Sabsibra dushman. The biggest enemy of yours, nafsuka allati bayna jambayk, is your nafs that's between your two sides. That's the thing that doesn't make us apologize. That doesn't allow us to apologize. That doesn't say, just pick up the phone and say, I'm sorry. No, I'm not going to do that. Just walk towards them and say, Salam. No, I'm not going to do that. Just go to their house and give a gift. No, I'm not going to do that. Send them one simple apology text or email. Can't do that. Right? Just, that's it. Just control your tongue. Don't say things that are hurtful and harmful. Can't do that. What is this? The nafs. If, if Allah gives you and I the ability to put our foot down on the nafs, we will be the most blessed of people. I ask Almighty Allah Azza wa to gift you and I this. The ability to put our foot on, on our nafs. And for us to be able to say that, you know what, I am ready to listen to anything from anyone. If it's right, I'll take it. If it's wrong, I'll make dua that I stay protected from that. This is what our mashayikh and our teachers and our elders were. They didn't have nafs, my friends. It seemed like that. It seemed like... Achha, one interesting thing I want to also tell you about our, the, our ulama of Tazki have said. They say you cannot actually kill your nafs and kill all your bad habits. You can make them extremely small. Like you know the stove at home. What happens? You, uh, the, the, the normal stove, oven top, you can make the high, the, the, uh, the, you can make it on uh, number six, the, uh, the, the, the flame. And you're cooking your meat and stuff like that. And then you lower it, lower it, lower it. You can get one, you simmer it. And let's say you shut it off. But is it shut off completely? What have you got there? The pilot is there, right? Is that what they call it? No, the pilot. The small flame is there. The flame is there. There you go. Huh? Jamra is still there, right? Right? The pilot is still present. What do you call the small flame there? There you go. So your nafs and shaitan, you can never your nafs and your 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 you can never actually kill it. You can reduce it, reduce it, reduce it, and it will become dormant, but it's still always present. Remember that. Okay? 
So that's why still a person can change if the circumstances are, are very bad and it's a huge test from Allah, a person can actually get into a fit of rage. You say, what happened to you? I thought you sat in the Zawi and the Khanqa for 15 years. What happened to you? Yeah, he worked, worked, worked on it, but it's still present. So that's just some, some interesting point to keep in mind. But this is why we've been taught the dua, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min sharri nafsi. Oh Allah, I seek protection in you from the evil of my nafs. So what we are seeing today across the globe is people who are worshipping the nafs and that's why things have gotten out of hand. What does, now yet, Nabi Wasallam, his heart's desire is that everyone should be a Muslim. Everyone should be a Jannati. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now consoling the Prophet Okay, are You are not in charge to make him a Muslim. Your job is to give him the message. You are not been charged with the duty of compelling him to become a Muslim. Balke innaka la tahdi Indeed, you cannot guide whoever you wish. Instead, Allah guides whoever He wishes. This is Rasul is being is, 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 is being told this. This is again something to reflect upon. Nabi this Ya Allah, why am I doing this? I'm being beaten up every single day. I'm being abused every single day. I'm being pelted every single day. I'm being spat on every single day. Everyone hates me. I had a nice life. Everyone respected me. Now everyone hates me. Everyone is against me. And then you tell me that hidayat is not in your hands. Your job is simply to work. That's the system of Allah. Last week I spoke about Nuh Salam's story. Didn't, was it last tafsir or? I'm not sure. Was it tafsir? Right? We spoke about Nuh Salam's story in there. Or was it in the in Sira conference? I'm not sure. Huh? It was tafsir? Yeah, so the hidayah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala kept it with him. Right? So here, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he's being told to work, work, work. But you cannot compel anyone. It's the same thing. Our job is now to make an effort to improve the relationship of Muslims with non-Muslims here and elsewhere. Our job is to give a proper side of our story. Our job is to try to make people understand what the deen is. Make people understand what the masajid are. Seriously, bring. This is the time now post 9-11. I hope, I hope we're not in that, that level. Inshallah, we're not in that level and hopefully this thing will end soon. Here as well. But just say if it doesn't, our job now is to do what? Our job is to make sure that the masajid are opened up. You know how we used to do before? We used to have our interfaith events. We have to bring people in. We have to bring, you know, invite, invite people towards the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, neighbors, not just invite them to the house. Neighbors, let's reach out to our friends. This is a very important point for today's dars. Please make sure you reach out to those who are around you at work. Let's, let's, let's be the first one to walk across the aisle and say, you know, because yeah, there's this weird reservation, weird um, uncomfortableness in many places of work and so forth. People are feeling with their colleagues. And so um, we should ourselves just speak about it openly and say, you know, what's, what's the deal? Are you, is there, are you feeling uncomfortable about something? Are you feeling awkward about something? Let's, let's, speak, uh, let's speak about it. And you have any questions? Come to the house of Allah. The house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open. Watch, listen, attend. This is... Insha'Allah, this will be a means of many people accepting Islam. Insha'Allah, this will be a means of many people seeing the beauty of the deen. This is what has happened in the past, and insha'Allah, this is what will happen now as well. People need an excuse. They never were living in their own life. They didn't have an excuse to check out Islam. Now that Islam is in the news, they'll say, okay, what's going on? Our door should be open. We have nothing to hide. Come. Read the book of Allah. Listen to the hadith of Rasulullah You know we have one book called Zadu Talibin we teach in the first year here. It's a simple book of hadith. Right? And I tell people, I said honestly, 
This book is it's just one selection. Riyadh Salihin, take Riyadh Salihin. Anything. I said, if anyone simply even picks up Riyadh Salihin, it's sufficient for a person to become easily a Muslim. Because you say, wow, man, the teachings are so comprehensive, so beautiful, so amazing. Who besides a prophet could share these things? What do you all say? You agree with me? The hadith of Rasulullah is so powerful, so beautiful that you don't have to even be a Muslim. Say, okay, no problem. You don't want to accept Islam? No problem. Just follow these teachings. This is how you should treat your wife. This is how you should treat your mom. This is how you should treat your dad. This is how you should treat your husband. This is how you should treat your kids. Bas. These are the subhanallah teachings of our Prophet. Inshallah, if you want to give Islam a chance, do so. If not, no problem. Here, follow this. So, this is something that we have to do. Now, after having done that, don't think that, oh, as soon as I do it now, I have to have 10 people, mashallah, should sit, take the shahada. You might not. Maybe not even one. That's not your job. Your job is to simply share the message. Or do you really think that most of them even listen or understand? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, do you think that most of them listen or understand? What does that mean? That most of them don't, of course, everyone's listening here. And everyone's understanding, no. Because if you listen without the intention of practicing in the eyes of Allah, you're not listening. And if you say you're understanding, but you don't believe in what you're understanding, you're not still understanding. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling the Prophet ﷺ. You get what I'm saying? If you listen, but you don't listen with a niyyah of practicing, you're not listening. And if you say, I understood, but you understand without believing, you haven't understood. So the disbelievers of Mecca would hear the Prophet ﷺ and they would say they would understand. It's Arabic. You are Arabs. You understand. But what's the point? If you're not going to believe in it, if you're not going to understand it with the intention of practicing, it's as though you don't believe in it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inhum illa In fact, they are like nothing but cattle. Rather, they are even further astray from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's way. Allahu Akbar. He, why is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comparing them to animals, livestock? Livestock actually definitely are much better. Why? Because a livestock has never been made responsible to listen to the Quran, ponder over it, think about it, and practice on it. Instead, the livestock have been created for a purpose of providing milk and meat. That's or uh, ox have been provided, been given the job of helping with you know farming and so forth. They're musakhar. They have been forced to do ibadah. They don't have even have a choice in it. Their ibadah is serving humanity. Here I am. Milk me. You know they say like, milk me. What does that mean? Subhanallah. That's so ajeeb, right? That's what the cow does every single day. Every, the chai you're going to drink outside. So the cow presented itself every single morning. Presents itself and says, okay, go ahead, take my milk. Ajeeb. Ajeeb. Sakhara lakum ma fil ard. Sakhara lakum ma fil samawati ma fil ard. Allah has subjugated for your service everything in the heavens and the earth. They're all at your service. But I'm asking you to be at my service. They're all going to serve you. You serve Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, they are like livestock, nay, they are worse than that, more lost. Because the livestock is not expected to practice on what the Qur'an or anything else it's not, it's not expected to think and ponder It's expected to just continue And mashallah there's no livestock that Decides to not continue They do what they're supposed to do They a long time ago gave up this option Indeed we presented the amana. What's the amana? Do you want to become a vicegerent of Allah on earth? We presented this option Upon the heavens and the earth 
and everything in between. فَأَبَيْنَا The heavens and the earth said, No, thank you. We can't do that. That's too big of a job. The heavens and the earth, they said, We cannot be your representative, Ya Allah. <laughs> we can't do that. وَحَمَلَهَا insan. And the human being, he got excited and he said, he raised his hand and he said, I'm ready for it. Allah says, إِنَّوْ كَانَ ظَلُومًا jahula. You're so oppressive and so ignorant. You just wanted to jump up. You know, sometimes, I'm ready, I'm ready. Do you know what you're, what you're ready for? What are you raising up your hand for? This is not, this is not you know, child's play. It's something difficult. So basically, the livestock already opted out long time ago. Before the creation of the heavens. They said, done, we can't do this. The human beings opted in. So hence, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, if you opted in, you better follow through in, in, in fulfilling the demands and the dictates of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Otherwise, you are more lost than them. Inshallah, we'll stop over here. I have 45. And we'll continue from there. Inshallah, if, you do, if you're new today and you don't get the tafsir updates, please quickly take a scan um, of the updates WhatsApp group. And if you are unaware of all the other programs, uh, take a mess, uh, you can stay connected through the events group. Um, take a, a picture of that. And then this is the dua. I already told you. Inshallah, hopefully all of you have already taken a picture. Did you need to get that? Yeah? You got it? Okay. And then this is the dua I had mentioned. And then um, please make, make note, inshallah, we'll be having our annual dinner on a Saturday, December 9th, Saturday. Kindly take a picture of this. And we request everyone, inshallah, to be a supporter of the institution as you already are by attending here. Kindly please reach out to see if you can also um, attend our, our annual dinner. It's the only event that we have outside of the masjid. It's going to be a chalimar like we usually do. Inshallah, Saturday, December 9th. Those of us who have a business, we can uh, like to. Uh, we request you to become a sponsor through whatever business it is. Um, it will help us offset the cost of the event, and inshallah, it will also help uh, the Muslim community know that you have a business in this field, whatever it is. Whether it's a medical practice, whether it is a networking company, whether it's a laptop fixing company, whether it's a restaurant, anything you can. If you are across the country listening and you have something that you mail out or you, your business is an online business then uh, request you as well to reach out to us and see how can you be a sponsor for the event, inshallah. Um, alhamdulillah, the, these are some of the programs that are happening. Thursdays is community basketball, and uh, Wednesdays is community volleyball for the boys, brothers of all ages. And, uh, and this, uh, the uh, Saturday morning, of course, alhamdulillah, we have our regular program. And on Thursdays, we've started reading, uh, not after Maghrib, but it should be after Isha, Thursdays after Isha, we have that uh, we have our program on salawat uh, with a reading of a book from called uh, book on sacrifice of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. If you're interested in getting that book, um, you can uh, grab it from the uh, small bookstall that we have outside. I, I encourage the brothers here uh, to do uh, you know always take take a look. There's alhamdulillah a good selection. The, the dua that we just did right now, Allah Matina fin Hadid, This dua is also found in the dua book there of Hizbul Adam. This is a book I always recommend everyone to get a copy of it and read a section from it every day. There's seven sections of it. You read one section every day. Every week you will have covered 200 duas of the Prophet and the dua all the duas of the Quran. Right? We haven't all memorized it. But just by reading it, it's, it's something beautiful and great. So I encourage you, inshallah, to stop by in the back and go ahead and, and get that book. Inshallah, we'll do that. Let us, inshallah, do a dhikr for a few minutes. And I want to say for dhikr, you know, the idea of doing dhikr is not supposed to be necessarily in chorus. We're sitting there in a melodious tone, um, you know, singing our dhikr together. Instead, the dhikr is that we're doing it at the same time, but everyone should be in their own zone. 
We can do dhikr of la ilaha illallah. Okay, we do that for two minutes. Then we do dhikr of salawat for two minutes. We do istighfar for two minutes. But I want, I want to also convey the point is that our teachers have never taught us to do dhikr in a melodious tone together with one voice. So say, <clears throat> I, in the, in, I'm coughing. That doesn't mean you stop. You continue. Right, if I'm taking a breath. Uh, it was just that everyone is doing dhikr. It could be in completely, yeah, it doesn't have to be in sync is what I'm trying to say. It does not have to be, shouldn't be in sync. Actually, my teachers don't like it to be in sync. They say everyone just do it on their own for two minutes, three minutes, and then, you know, or however long we're, duration we're doing. So, inshallah, I just wanted to keep that, I wanted to just share that with all of us here. لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا إله إلا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد 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 صلى الله عليه وسلم 
حسبي الله ونعم الوكيل لا إله إلا هو عليه توكلت وهو رب العرش العظيم حسبي الله ونعم الوكيل لا إله إلا هو عليه توكلت وهو رب العرش العظيم حسبي الله ونعم الوكيل لا إله إلا هو عليه توكلت وهو رب العرش العظيم حسبي الله ونعم الوكيل لا إله إلا هو عليه توكلت وهو رب العرش العظيم حسبي الله ونعم الوكيل لا إله إلا هو عليه توكلت وهو رب العرش العظيم حسبي الله ونعم الوكيل لا إله إلا هو عليه توكلت وهو رب العرش العظيم حسبي الله ونعم الوكيل لا إله إلا هو عليه توكلت وهو رب العرش العظيم حسبي الله ونعم الوكيل لا إله إلا هو عليه توكلت وهو رب العرش العظيم حسبي الله ونعم الوكيل لا إله إلا هو عليه توكلت وهو رب العرش العظيم حسبي الله ونعم وكيل لا اله الا هو عليه توكلت وهو رب العرش العظيم حسبي الله ونعم الوكيل لا اله الا هو عليه توكلت وهو رب العرش العظيم لا اله الا انت سبحانك اني كنت من الظالمين لا اله الا انت سبحانك اني كنت من الظالمين لا اله الا انت سبحانك اني كنت من الظالمين لا اله الا انت سبحانك اني كنت من الظالمين لا اله الا انت سبحانك اني كنت من الظالمين لا اله الا انت سبحانك اني كنت من الظالمين لا اله لا انت سبحانك اني كنت من الظالمين لا اله الا انت سبحانك اني كنت من الظالمين لا اله الا انت سبحانك اني كنت من الظالمين لا اله الا انت سبحانك اني كنت من الظالمين لا اله الا انت سبحانك اني كنت من الظالمين لا اله الا انت سبحانك اني كنت من الظالمين لا اله الا انت سبحانك اني كنت من الظالمين لا اله الا انت سبحانك اني كنت من الظالمين لا اله الا انت سبحانك اني كنت من الظالمين استغفر الله 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 الذي لا اله الا هو الحي القيوم واتوب اليه 
بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم انت السلام ولك السلام وتبارك فيك يا ذا الجلال والاكرام اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك انت كما اثنيت على نفسك اللهم يا حي يا قيوم يا احد الصمد الذي لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا احد اللهم يا حنان يا منان يا بديع السماوات والارض يا ذا الجلال والاكرام العزه التي لا ترام اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد صلاه تنجينا بها من جميع الاحوال والافات وتقضي لنا بها جميع الحاجات وتطهرنا بها من جميع السيئات وترفعنا بها عندك على درجات وتبلغنا بها اقصى الغايات من جميع الخيرات في الحياه بعد الممات انك على كل شيء قدير اللهم ربنا ظلمنا انفسنا ربنا ظلمنا انفسنا ربنا ظلمنا انفسنا وان لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكون من الخاسرين اللهم ربنا اتنا في الدنيا حسنه وفي الاخره حسنه وقنا عذاب النار اللهم ربنا لا تجعلنا فتنه للقوم الظالمين ونجينا برحمتك من قوم الكافرين اللهم رب ارحمهم كما ربيني صغيرا رب ارحمهم كما ربيني صغيرا رب ارحمهم كما ربيني صغيرا لا اله الا انت سبحانك اني كنت من الظالمين اللهم ربنا هب لنا من ازواجنا وذرياتنا قره اعين واجعلنا المتقين اماما ربنا اغفر لنا ذنوبنا واسرافنا في امرنا وثبت اقدامنا وثبت اقدامنا وانصرنا على قوم الكافرين اللهم اصلح لنا ديننا الذي عصمه امرنا اصلح لنا ديننا الذي عصمه امرنا اصلح لنا ديننا الذي عصمه امرنا واصلح لنا دنيانا التي فيها معاشنا واصلح لنا دنيانا التي فيها معاشنا واصلح لنا اخرتنا التي فيها معادنا واجعل الحياه زياده لنا من كل في كل خير واجعل الموت راحه لنا من كل شر اللهم انا نعوذ بك من الفتن جميع الفتن ما ظهر منها وما بطن اللهم انا نعوذ بك من علم لا ينفع ومن قلب لا يخشع ومن عين لا تدمع ومن نفس لا تشبع ومن هؤلاء الاربعه اللهم انا نسالك علما نافعا ورزقا واسعا وشفاء من كل داء اللهم الهمنا مراشد امورنا اللهم الهمنا مراشد امورنا اللهم الهمنا مراشد امورنا واعذنا من شرور انفسنا اللهم انا نعوذ من شر انفسنا اللهم انا نعوذ من شر نفوسنا اللهم انا نعوذ من شر نفوسنا اللهم انا نعوذ بك من شر الشيطان وشركه اللهم انا نعوذ بك من ابليس وجنودي اللهم انا نعوذ بك من ابليس وجنودي اللهم انا نعوذ من ابليس وجنودي اللهم احفظنا واحفظ الاسلام والمسلمين من بين ايدينا ومن خلفنا وعن ايماننا وعن شمائلنا ومن فوقنا ونعوذ بك من ان نقتال من تحت اقدامنا اللهم يا حي يا قيوم اعز الاسلام والمسلمين وانصر الاسلام والمسلمين واحفظ الاسلام والمسلمين اللهم وحد صفوف المسلمين واجمع كلمه من الحق المبين اللهم اهدنا في من هديت وعافنا في من عافيت وتولنا في من توليت وبارك لنا فيما اعطيت وقنا واصرف عنا شر ما قضيت فانك تقضي ولا يقضى عليك انه لا يذل من واليت ولا يعز من عاديت تباركت ربنا وتعالى نستغفرك اللهم من جميع الذنوب والخطايا ونتوب اليك اللهم اهدنا واهد بنا واجعلنا سببا وسبيلا لمن اهتدى ولا تجعلنا سببا لمن ضل وغوى اللهم اهد الناس جميعا اللهم اهد الناس جميعا اللهم اهد الناس جميعا اللهم من اراد بالاسلام والمسلمين خيرا فوفقه لكل خير ومن اراد بالاسلام والمسلمين شرا فاجعل كيده في نحره اللهم انا جعلك في نحورهم ونعوذ بك من شرورهم اللهم انا جعلك في نحورهم ونعوذ من شرورهم اللهم انا جعلك في نحورهم ونعوذ من شرورهم اللهم انا نسالك من خير ما سالك من نبيك محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ من شر ما سالك من نبيك محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وانت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوه الا بالله سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين امين وجزاكم الله خيرا والسلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته